All right, we're going to look at Hebrews 11:7 tonight. We're going to spend four weeks on Noah. And uh, tonight I decided instead of looking at historical kind of stuff, let's just look at the verse where he's mentioned in the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, and just break that verse down and kind of lay the groundwork. And then next week we'll get into some more detail and talk about the days of Noah, what it was like back then. And then we'll have a couple more lessons beyond that. I put three translations or three versions of Hebrews 11.7 on your handout for a reason. Uh, Reading different versions makes us think sometimes. Uh, The NIV says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world. And became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. King James Version presents it a little more archaic fashion, but gives us some things to think about. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And then I put the message down, which is not a translation, but we'll talk about that in a moment. It says, by faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. Now, the reason I put that on there is that there's one line in there about what his act of faith did, drew a sharp line. I thought that was interesting, the way they explained condemning the world. Uh, the message is, is not a translation. That, that's its drawback. It's a commentary. It's a paraphrase. Uh, the positives of something like that are they really do sometimes explain things in a way you hadn't thought of before. Uh, they make you think a little bit. Uh, like that first part says he built a ship in the middle of dry land. Well, I'd thought of that before, but not a whole lot. But that just makes it even weirder what he did, doesn't it? I mean, it just makes it more faithful. Uh, it's not a translation. It, God didn't say that. Uh, but it makes you think a little bit. So as long as you understand that, don't build a doctrine on what you read in a paraphrase. But sometimes it, as long as you compare it to a decent translation, sometimes it makes you think a little bit. Uh, it's not a translation. It's a commentary. And as long as the guy does a good job of commenting, it's kind of helpful. But doesn't always do that. You're also liable to get some things that are completely wrong in there. So uh, we generally advise on TV not to not to mess with paraphrases. But this one just said a couple things that I thought might help us think through this a little bit. All right, we're just going to go straight through the verse, phrase by phrase, and hopefully at the end of it we'll have a better picture of what Noah's faith was. Bear in mind we're in Hebrews 11. The whole thing's about faith. It starts out and defines faith, and then it says, here's what some men did, some men and some women did throughout history uh, that showed their faith. And Noah's one of them. Uh, He's in verse 7 is his little uh, statement of his, what he did. So let's start. By faith, Noah. 
So whatever he did, whatever we're going to learn about him, he did it by faith. And everybody in the chapter is that way. So uh, what, what we've got to learn about it is that he, what is faith, uh, we'll look at the definition in a little while, but if you read back in Genesis 4 and 6, and we'll quote from those more later, but in Genesis 6, 9, it tells us what Noah was like, uh, what kind of person he was. Uh, verse 9, Genesis 6, Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. There's another problem with that message paraphrase. They take that piece and put it way up over in Hebrews 11, which it's not there. But Noah's a righteous man. He's blameless among the people. He walked with God. And verse 8 says he found favor in the eyes of God. He was a good man. And why he was a good man, everything he did was by faith. God obviously spoke to him directly. It was in the time of the patriarchs, and that's the way thing worked, things worked. But he believed what God said. And he did what God said. We're going to find out pretty soon. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, What faith is, it's being sure of what we hope for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. What we don't see them... We hope they're true, but we act like they are true. That's why it's called faith. That's the writer of Hebrews' definition. Uh, another, a better translation maybe for being evidence of things not seen is a conviction of things not seen. Okay? And we'll get into that about not yet seen in just a little while. But this is the way Noah walked. This is the way he lived. And sometimes... We just read this story and think, man, this, this was an amazing act of faith. You know, to build a boat, obviously out in the middle of nowhere, uh, with some other problems that we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, how did he do that? I don't know if I could do that. Well, the trick is, the, not a trick, it's just the answer, is this wasn't unusual for him. He had lived this way for 500 years. He walked by faith. He believed what God said. So for 500 years before this crisis, he had done what God said. He had been preparing for it. And now when he got to be 500 years old, God said, I'm going to wipe out earth. Whoa. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to build a boat. Save your family. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, he was ready for it. He, he could handle it. Uh, I imagine it shocked him a little bit. It was probably <laughs> a little disturbing, but he, he was ready for it is the point. Okay. I was thinking about that and how to illustrate it. And this afternoon I got an illustration handed to me. I went to the, the, the viewing at the mortuary and was talking to Margie. And Margie was talking about being without Marvin now. And she said, Steve, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to be without him. And I didn't say it, but I thought, yes, you are. You are ready. Because you've been living by faith for all these years. You've been through other hard things. You've been prepared. You have that kind of faith. 
Doesn't mean it'll be easy. I mean, Noah's task wasn't easy. Doesn't mean it'll be a, a, a snap. But if you're walking by faith, if you're trained in that, that's the way you live before the crisis, you are ready for it. And she'll be able to handle it. So by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, okay, there's that invisible thing. The other, the spiritual world, the things that we don't know yet, uh, that we can't see. And it's not just that they are not yet seen. The things Noah had to deal with weren't even believable. You know? You tell me something's going to happen in the future. If I've seen it before, if I have experienced it before, I can kind of deal with it. He had never seen rain before. Okay, uh, Some people say, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm convinced he had never seen rain before. Uh, one proof is in Genesis chapter 2. It tells how the world worked before the flood. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. That's the way it worked in the garden. Now some people say, well, maybe it changed. The problem with it changing before the flood is that what happened after the flood? We got the very first, what? Rainbow. The very first rainbow. Okay, when it rains, you get a rainbow. The sun's in the right place. Okay, God put the first one in the sky after the flood. Okay, so I don't think it had ever rained before. I think that's what changed the entire ecology of the earth. And Noah hadn't seen that. And God comes along and tells him, I'm going to rain so much that it floods the whole earth. Now, you talk about being told things not yet seen. He really hadn't seen that. But if God said he was going to do it, okay. Fine with me. Oh, I assume Noah had seen a boat, but he had never seen a boat like this. People didn't build ships like it. They still hardly build ships like this. This is a big old boat. Okay. And God said, here's how you build it. Here's how long I want it, how wide I want it, how tall I want it, what I want it to look like on the inside and the outside. And Noah had never seen anything like that. But by faith, Noah, when he was warned about things to come, in holy fear, there's the motivation. Okay? Faith is the principle, but uh, the moving force that moved him to do this was fear. Now, some people, That bothers some people. Some people quote the verse out of context. Well, perfect love casts out fear. So you shouldn't be afraid of God. Well, it's really talking about something else. But understand this is all he had to go on was God's word. So what moved him, what prompted him to act was this holy fear. Now, what was this fear of? Well, it was a fear that God would do what he said he would do. If you believe God, and he says he's going to destroy the earth with water, and you don't have a boat to get in, well, you do it. 
in faith and obedience, but also in fear. Now, Noah may have had a little something else to go on. If you, if you calculate the numbers, I understand. Adam's grandson was still alive, Enosh. So maybe Noah talked to Enosh, and Enosh said, my granddad told me they were in the garden, and they messed up, and here's what God did. He may have got the story firsthand, or third hand from Enosh. I guess it would be second hand. Adam to Enosh, or maybe third hand, a son in there somewhere. Uh, but maybe Noah heard that. Whether he heard it from Enosh or not, he knew the story. God had told him. So he knew that God was serious about it. Now, I know we're not supposed to be afraid of God, but listen, look at what it says. It says, in holy fear. There's nothing wrong. If something's holy, it means there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing out of uh, out of balance or wrong or incorrect or uh, bad with it. It's perfect. So he didn't have any kind of wrong fear. He had a good fear. Not just fear that God could do and would do what he said he would do. But understand, he probably had some holy fear about all the people around him. I mean, if you believe God, everybody you meet, everybody in the neighborhood, everybody at the store, everybody you're acquainted with is going to drown. And you know it. And you're trying to tell them. That's what he did for all those years. It was preached. He's called a, Peter, a preacher of righteousness by Peter. He told people, yeah, God told me this and you better listen. So there was some holy fear involved there. It moved him to do what he did. And what he did was what it says next. He built an ark to save his family. Find that verse, Genesis 6. At the very end of Genesis chapter 6, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Okay? He built an ark exactly like God said. Right dimensions, right kind of material, right everything. Old classic old question is, well, what if he wouldn't have built it out of gopher wood? The answer is it wouldn't have floated. (laughs) He did exactly what God told him. He built an ark to save his family. Um... Is that a problem today? How many, how many people do exactly what God commands? Well, all of us, I know, but you know, other people don't they want to change things just a little bit? You know, yeah, I'll do this part. This makes sense to me, but this part, no, I don't think so. Okay? Noah didn't think that way. Noah did exactly what God commanded him to save his family. What did it cost him? I don't know what it cost him financially. I assume God provided somehow, but that's what he spent the rest of his years there doing, a lot of years. Uh, It surely cost him most of his friends, or all of his friends, really. I mean, everybody thought, no, it was nuts. You know, because he was telling them things that they hadn't yet seen, and they didn't believe in God. 
It probably cost him his reputation. I'm sure everybody made fun of Noah. And I thought when I was writing these things down, I thought, I bet it caused a little friction in the family. You know, he didn't have teenagers out there working with him, but he had three boys. And do you think all of them for a hundred some years were on the same level of faith as Noah? I bet every once in a while one of them said, Dad, are you really sure about this? This is not a good idea. You know, I didn't get any friends left. You sure we ought to be doing this? I don't know if it caused any friction. I guarantee you, you coop your family up in a boat for over a year, it'll cause some friction. But there was a little problem in the in the ark occasionally. But maybe it cost him some of that. But he did it anyway. He built an ark to save his family. Okay, then the writer of Hebrews goes on and says, By his faith, by doing this, he condemned the world. That's an interesting statement. What's this condemned the world stuff? Um, as long as you just tell part of this book, you can get almost everybody to go along with you, can't you? I mean, there's some hardcore non-believers in God that won't believe anything in it. But most good folks out there, if you talk about the good generic parts that God's a good God and all of that, they'll go along with you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. But if you start, the more truth you teach, what happens? The more you're drawing a line. If you say, yeah, but God's a good God and all that. But Jesus is the only Son of God. He's the only way to heaven. Well, some people say, oh, no, I can't, I can't go along with that. And that's pretty broad truth. But the more truth you get into, the more you draw that line, the more you divide. And what are you doing? The, you're committing the ultimate sin in 2013. You're saying there is truth. You're drawing a line. You're saying, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm condemning you. Well, I'm not really condemning you. I'm telling you the truth. So when he acted by faith and was building the ark, what it was doing was drawing that line. In fact, that's why I put that message in there. It says, uh, the message says, his act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. And the believing world, who did it consist of at that time? It wasn't a very big believing world. Okay? Eight souls. Okay? And Noah drew that line, drew that sharp line. You, you, you can't pick and choose. You know, there's a whole lot of people today that believe the, the good part of God. Oh, he's a sweet God. He's a loving God. He, he blesses me, etc. Yeah, but did you ever think about the wrath of God? No. <laughs> I don't want to hear about the wrath of God. God's a good God. He wouldn't condemn anybody to hell. That's what the book says. And that's where Noah got with all these people. He said, God told me he's going to make it rain. He's going to flood. He's going to drown everybody that doesn't get in the ark. No. I don't, I don't want to believe that part. Well, I'm sorry. You're condemned by that decision. 
It's a sharp line between us. When the, when the rain came and Noah closed the door, or God closed the door, when the door got closed, that ratcheted things up a bit, folks. How many of you ever went to the Noah show in Branson when it was happening? Come on, you can confess. You've been to Branson. <laughs> Bunch of snobs out here. <laughs> Come on, you've been to Branson. How many of you really saw the Noah show? Okay. Do you remember the part where they closed the door? That was a terrifying part. We took the grandkids, and Kate was about five, I think. She cried. She she broke down. It was horrible. Because all the people that knew Noah were on the outside. You were inside the ark with Noah. You could see that, but you could hear them out there. Wailing and beating on the boat and wanting in and crying for help. And Noah couldn't open the door. Yeah, I about did Kate in. She, she didn't like that part. Yeah, well, we don't like that part. But that's part Noah understood. That's about the holy fear thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you understand... When I said there were just eight, how hard that would be? I mean, you see why Noah's in the Hall of Faith here? You, most of you ladies, or a lot of you ladies were at the, the kickoff today for the women's conference, and a lot more of you, you go to the women's conference. Let me ask you this. When, you, when you're in here next April, and there's 900 women in here, and you're all praising God in song, and you're all praying together, and you're all listening to people teach the Bible, how easy is it to be faithful? That's not hard at all, is it? That's a piece of cake. That's good stuff. And the church ought to celebrate that way. But you are surrounded with 900 people that agree with you. Noah, Mrs. Noah, the three boys, their three wives, that was it. Absolutely it. He had drawn that line. He said, we're going to do what God says. Everybody else is condemned if they don't. This is tough stuff. He condemned the world and, last line, he became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. He became the heir of righteousness. He's called a preacher of righteousness, I said over in Peter, but he became an heir of righteousness. That means he inherited what faith gets you. The kind of righteousness, the kind of rewards that faith gets you. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's look here. All the Hebrews is about faith one way or another. But Hebrews 6 and verse 12 says, Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Don't get lazy, he says at the start of it. He's talking about warning against falling away is what my heading there says. He says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Was Noah faithful? Yeah. Was he patient? Oh, he was a patient dude. 120 years waiting on this rainstorm. 
through faith and patience, he inherited what had been promised. God had told him. How much God had told him about heaven and everything else, I don't know. Uh, He had definitely told him that his family would be saved if he built this ark and got in, and he did, and he was saved. He inherited that, but I think he's talking about the eternal rewards also. He became heir of that righteousness. Application. I didn't put an application on here, but what's this verse tell us? Well, could you build an ark in the middle of dry land with everybody arrayed against you? I don't know if I could do that or not. If I could hold on for 120 years or not. But I don't have to. I don't think God's going to ask me to. And what does God ask me to do? What's he ask you to do? Just small stuff. Just one step at a time. I know some of it seems big when we get there, but we're ready for it if we've been walking by faith. That's all we got to do is by faith, when we're warned about something, even if we haven't seen it, is do what God says. And you read the whole 11th chapter. You read every faith walker we've talked about. That's all they do. Some of their stuff seems a lot bigger than anything we think we could handle, but God didn't ask us to do it. He asked them to do it. Just the small stuff. Now, on the flip side, sometimes we think, well, I could do the big stuff. You know, somebody started persecuting Christians and asked me to die or go to prison for Jesus. I could do that. Well, if he ever asks you to, I hope you can do that. But that's not what he's asking you to do. He's asking you to do the little things tomorrow. The right thing tonight. By faith, do what he's already told us to do. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family, and by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Next week, we're going to talk, or two weeks from now, we're going to talk about the days of Noah. What was it like then? The New Testament talks about the days of Noah and how bad they were. So we're going to talk about them and then our days of Noah. All right, lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation or you have some other public need of this family, we're going to invite you to come. Brother Tim, come and lead us in song. Let's stand.